Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. So we live. So Ethan and I live in Houston, Texas, and recently in the newspaper, I saw an article about a, a new train project that is being supposedly worked on to connect Houston and Dallas by high-speed rail. And, and that got me thinking, what does a high-speed rail you know, look like in the United States? Why don't we have it in the same capacity? Europe has it, China has it, and other parts of the world have it. Um, so today we're going to discuss and kind of dissect high-speed rail and, and where the U.S. fails. So one of the major projects in the high-speed railroad domain is stems back to 2008 when California pledged to create a high-speed rail network between Los Angeles and San Francisco. And they pledged to cut down travel time between the two cities to under three hours, about two hours and 40 minutes. Now, this is a vast difference from the nine or, or 10 hours that it can take with congestion and traffic and driving between LA and San Francisco. Uh, and this project uh, was set to be compl- to be completed by 2020 and would cost $33 billion. Now, this was uh, now this was a huge amount at the time as this was uh, during the financial recession of 2008. Uh, but now we're at the end of 2022. And California has spent $5 billion of those dollars and has only just started recently building a starter line. They, 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 they realized that this full line between LA and San Francisco was, was too big for at the moment. They were going to go with a starter line right now, which is a short 171-mile line in an unpopulated area. And they've just started this. And now they've calculated, they've recalculated and said that the railroad will cost $113 billion and they're currently spending $1.8 million per day. So obviously this this California project has been more expensive, more problematic than expected. Um, but but let's look at comparable projects around the world. China has 29,000 kilometers of its own high-speed rail network connecting you know most, if not all of it of its very highly populated provinces. High-speed rail is found all over Europe, connect not only connecting cities within a country, but connecting different countries, you can take a you know you can take a, a train from London to Paris, Paris, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Berlin. So you can really get across the the, the continent with high speed rail. India, Russia, Iran, Morocco, all investing, currently building or have high speed rail. So it it, it hap- it's you know it ha- it's all around the world. But yet in the United States, we only really have one high-speed rail line. And that line is in uh, the northwest. The, that line is in the northeast. It's in the northeast corridor. It's in the Acela line. And the line connects Washington, D.C. to New York City and then New York City to Boston. Um, and it's a, it's a high-speed rail line, supposedly. And high-speed rail really means that a train goes faster than 125 miles per hour. But the Acela line says it's high-speed rail, but it only reaches 150 miles per hour for 34 miles of its 457-mile distance. So, you know, very small percentage 
of its total distance is actually high speed. So it claims to be a high speed rail network, but but it's not really. And th- this is the really ch- you know the challenge with American. This is a real challenge with the current infrastructure in America. You can't take a, a high speed locomotive and put it on regular tracks and and, and operate at high speeds. It doesn't work that way. And and the challenge in the north the northeast corridors you have you know old infrastructure that could be a hundred or, or or more years old. And you're trying to operate fast trains on it, it doesn't work out. And that's why the Acela line is forced to slow down for most of its route. Right. In addition, not only is it going less than 150 miles per hour for, for a lot of its journey, it's going so slow. It's going 60, 65 miles per hour for the majority of its of its uh for the majority of its trajectory, compared to in China, where the majority of its high-speed rails are going over 200 miles per hour. So it's not really comparable to other uh, high-speed railroads internationally. And this is the only one technically that we have in America. And it's just in one tiny area, right? To to expand this uh, to other cities in America, it just it's just not as um, sustainable uh, as in other countries. You could have a situation where it's from LA to San Francisco or Houston to Dallas, as we talked about, or in the Northeast, Northeast Corridor, uh, like DC and New York City and Boston. But in the rest of the U.S., when you get to um, cities in the center of the U.S. Um, that are maybe less populated, that are or that are rural, that uh, are large spanses of land with little people, it's hard to have the infrastructure and the people to even go on these trains because there is just because there's just so much space without a lot of people to use, without a lot of people in stops to, uh, to make on these trains. Right. So the U.S. Is, is relatively spread out. You know, you can say that the Netherlands has a huge high speed rail network. But it's it's big cities, Antwerp, Rotterdam, Amsterdam, you know, the three major cities in, in, in the Netherlands, all are super close together um, if you're comparing them to the United States. So the United States is, is, distances are so far. So the practical use of high speed rail is only in a couple cases, like Ethan mentioned, but it's only really practical when it's faster to take a train than than go to the airport, get on a plane land and then leave the airport so often you know the train you don't have to go through security it's it's faster to, to go on the train even though the train is slower than the airplane so those are those are the real routes and those are you know anywhere under you know maybe a two-hour airplane ride a couple hundred miles and then it becomes pushing it and an airplane's faster another practical use of high-speed rail is that it's also uh climate friendly by reducing the amount of cars and traffic congestion that uh that come with going that come with using cars rather than rails uh, rather than railroads you also remove the carbon emissions that come with these cars and so uh, people often cite that the reason why the project for LA to San Francisco high speed rail was created was because there's so much congestion going between these two cities in cars and this railroad would offer uh a new alternative to that that would uh decrease the traffic but also would help the environment in addition. So in the past, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, even until the Nixon days, rail was it was a Republican issue, it was a conservative issue. Was, you know, the conservative part of the government wanted to ensure that small rural towns had access to, to um, you know, those were the, that's their constituency. The, those people had access to trains and to, to connection to, to large major cities. But now rail has shifted to, to more of a liberal issue where, where the liberal section of the government, they want to increase rail usage because it's good for the environment. So that has shifted it. And now the, 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 the Democratic Party, now the Republican Party is against rail in the U.S. 
mainly because it, it's so costly. As Ethan talked about, rail lines can get up, you know, from anywhere from 80 to $200 million a mile. So it, it's so costly. And, and many Republicans don't think it's, it's worth all the, the taxpayer money, especially when you have alternatives like driving or flying, um, which may be more practical. And then, but the real question is, why does it get so expensive? Why does it cost $150 million a mile in California to, to, build, to build these tracks? And, and the real challenge is, is the U.S. geography. California to build this line that's that's being built from LA to San Francisco, it has to go through a huge mountain range. That means they have to bore through the mountain range, and you know it costs one hundred fifty million. One of the one report said it costs one hundred fifty million dollars just to move a highway a little a little bit so they could build the tracks. Just to move a highway, not even to build the tracks, it's just to move a highway. Um, it costs $150 million. So it adds up over hundreds of miles of tracks. And that what that's what makes it so costly and, and relatively unfeasible in the United States. In addition, the uh the political state of America is different than that of China and in many countries in Europe as well. Because China and places like France and other countries in Europe are centralized, they have a centralized government, this makes it easier for them to build the infrastructure for high-speed rail networks uh, because the government has easier access to the land and resources that are required to to building these railroad networks. Compared, and, that, and then compared to America, our government is, is very decentralized, and it takes a long and difficult process to obtain the land for the railroad in places like in the West in California or where, where these railroad projects are being built. There's also a longstanding tradition of, of private ownership of land and resisting the government trying to take this land for, for public projects. So this bureaucracy and, and this focus on private ownership in the United States is one of the main regions, reasons the California line failed and continues to fail. Um, so, so when, when planning the route from Los Angeles to San Francisco, the, the company that was running it, that was doing it, they actually planned to take a 34-minute detour into California's Central Valley, which is a farming area. Why did they want to make this detour? It's a, it's a, not, it's a sparsely populated area. Why would they go around, you know, why wouldn't they go on a straight line from LA to San Francisco? Why would they go on a detour? And the reason became, and the reason that, you know, that it was announced became was that they had to appease California lawmakers. They wanted to get more tax cuts and they wanted to get more support from different California lawmakers that were from these Central Valley districts. So to, in a, to, to get that support from these lawmakers, they had to detour through these districts. That detour um, means that it'll never get it, the, the train from if it's ever finished, will never make the original time proposals that it, it promised uh, the taxpayers. And it also is one of the reasons that the current line runs from Bakersfield, California to Merced, California. If you've never heard of those cities, or you, you hear about them very rarely, it's because they're almost irrelevant cities. The current line, because it's, it's appearing that it's not going to be finished, runs through basically the Central Valley. So it's, it's almost pointless because it's not connecting real population centers. It's collecting relatively sparsely populated areas. And this shows that the situation of, of the government trying to create these projects of, rail, of high-speed railroads and railroad networks is extremely complicated and can take lots of money, lots of debate, and ultimately can take 14 years in the case of California's situation, and practically nothing has been done. This is going to conclude this week's episode of The Young Perspective. You can find more of us at theyoungperspective.net. We also have an Instagram that we're revamping 
at the underscore young underscore perspective. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, this was the Young Perspective.